The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome, welcome to, to the, the Legendarium. Legendarium. And she's as good as a man. Well, <laughs> she's as good as a boy, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's still quite some misogynistic uh, overtones. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I need a cheer for misogyny right now. I don't... <laughs> Yay, boy power. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig Hanks, your host, and this is episode number 167, The Horse and His Boy. This is Narnia number three, and it is not, despite what I said at the end of the last episode, Prince Caspian. Uh, I misspoke. I'm sorry. Stop yelling at me on Reddit. It's fine. It'll be okay. This is not Prince Caspian. I think that okay. That one's coming up next, right? Chron- chronological order for the win. Okay. Well, anyway, I you know I think I got confused because the Disney movies well, skipped the horse and his boy. In, in publication so. order, Prince Caspian is after Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Right. However, in chronological order, Prince Caspian is next. Right. Right. It's just so hard to care when I don't. Right. <laughs> so. Um, all right. Now, I got to introduce all these other voices. So, I, I had a dream about him last night. Uh, yeah, he was actually in a coma, and I unplugged his life support so I could charge my phone. It's Ken Johnson. Dude, listening to you is like taking a bath in ass's milk. <laughs> all right. And if I had to guess, I'd say he was conceived on the highway where all the worst accidents happen. It's Todd Wenty. Trust me, by the time we're done, you will hate the word hermitage. Uh. And he, well, he is simply impossible to underestimate. It's Ryan Bruckman. All right. Yeah. People can't hear you shrug. <laughs> In space, no one can hear you shrug. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yes, indeed. Thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, I hope you will join us on Facebook, on Reddit, and Twitter, and everywhere else on the interwebs. Leave a review on iTunes, please, and tell your friends. We greatly appreciate the support. Thank you, everybody. Now... Anything else we need to talk about before we get into the horse and his boy? I, I guess maybe Patreon. a little a little uh, Patreon's at the top of the show now, hey, yeah, so we right. don't even need to mention that anymore because people are so eager to support us. We don't need to, you know. I even recorded that. Keep and, hammering you know, away at that. So, wow! Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh yeah, the disclaimer that we missed doing at the beginning of uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, we, there will be Jesus speak spoiler. there. There will be Jesus speak ahead. So uh, religious spoiler alert. Hear ye, hear ye, Jesus speak, uh, ahoy. <laughs> Jesus hear, speak ahoy. Here they breathe Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, it's like this Christian amusement park version of Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> may Jesus, there be Jesus speak ahead. Welcome to Walt Bible World. Oh boy! So, Dead men tell no tales till three days later. We <laughs> and that one's gonna get us all struck by oh, lightning. I'm moving are. over here, Ryan, for saying it, and the rest of us for laughing. <laughs> that was unplug, unplug, hurry. That was pretty good. Oh, that was. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yes, there, there is that deserves this. <laughs> I so what I'm hoping we can do today is uh, is. Uh, restrict ourselves to general Jesus speak. Nobody's going to be preaching anything here, but uh, it's unavoidable. And I think there's some actually really good stuff in here. Does general so, Jesus sound like Arlie Ermy? I don't. You're old. <laughs> what? General Jesus. I don't. I think Ken just had a stroke. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> All right. Ken, you're thinking of personal Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, let's let's get through our synopsis, and then we'll and then we'll chat about the horse and his boy. Uh, all right, what's a mid-20th century Christian allegory without a little jab at the old Muslims, eh? There you go. The horse and his boy takes us south to uh, the south of the land of Narnia to Kalorman, the desert land with strange customs, plenty of slavery, and a lot of not-Aslan worshipping. The horse in question is Bree, a talking Narnian horse who has kept his identity a secret in the Kalormine army for nearly his entire life. The boy, meanwhile, is Shasta, a Narnian boy who has been made to work Cruelly long hours in a soda factory since he was very small. <laughs> it has to be Shasta. <laughs> Together, Shasta and Bree effect an escape, during which they meet Aravis, a Kalormine girl running away from home, and her own Narnian horse, Huynh. 
The four of them travel through the Kalormine capital, through the desert, and into Narnia, or at least Archenland, I was never quite clear on that, where they arrive in time to warn of a minor invasion by Kalormine soldiers. Through this, they meet Aslan, of course, as well as King Edmund and Queens Susan and Lucy. The day is saved, the girl is got, and many lessons are learned. Now let's talk about the horse and his boy. And the horse and his girl. And the, the horse, and, horse, horse and, and her girl. girl. And her girl, yeah, there. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, come on. Uh, so anyway. Cool. Uh, Ryan. <laughs> there we go. How'd you like the horse and his boy? Um, Actually, having this is never having read this one before. Oh, really? Yeah. I've read The Lion, Wish, and the Wardrobe. I had le- I've read a couple others, but this one is one I had never bothered because the title and the artwork never grabbed me enough to finish it. <laughs> sure. Because um, you were seven? Right? Yeah, something like that. Uh, but I did enjoy it. Uh, it's... It was kind of interesting to not have a story about English children going into Narnia, which is kind of... Sure. This is the only book in the entire series that takes place entirely in the magical world. So there's yes. there's no travel between. It's all there. Right. Um, and it's... Even though they're, like, they're trying to get to Narnia or trying to get there, like, it's not necessarily about that world. Um yeah, I sort of. I might push back and say that kind of. I, I could be wrong, but it feel field. It feels to me. If a hey, look, I'm <laughs> sure. not feeling that well tonight. You, so it use, feels. Use your words, Craig. Use it, your words. It feels to me as though uh, a lot of what Lewis was doing was setting up uh, the Kalormine culture mm-hmm. solely as a counterpoint to say, like, look at how great the Narnian parentheses english culture really is you know look at how great we are and i it's uh we we can get back to it it's it's tempting to call lewis some names for that but uh i guess i don't mind a little mid-20th century uh rah-rah patriotism it it's okay it it doesn't uh doesn't bother me too much uk well that's the first this is the first time we have an instance of something else existing in that world other than narnia right um, so I'm, I'm okay with it. I do think that it is very much a product of its time and culture. Oh, that's oh, sure. very fair. So that's very fair. I, I would be interested to say, to see what that other nation would look like if he was writing today. What would it be? North oh. Korean. <laughs> <laughs> just, you just had that it's right chambered there. and ready to fire. You bet. Apparently. Uh, let's not talk about things chambered and ready to fire (laughs) in North Korea. No, Uh, that's Uh, sweet, sweet Aslan. You're killing me. Um, no, I I, I do think it's, I think it's an interesting question. What would it be today? I'm not sure. I I don't think you could really write such a, um, I, I, I don't know if I would call it nationalistic, but certainly patriotic. Uh, no, maybe nationalistic. Yeah. It, if not blood and soil, then at least soil. He mm-hmm. seems to love England and you know, and, and really preach its values here. So, um, I'm not sure you could get away with this book at all now, and and so I'm not sure if you would need to figure out uh, who who the uh, Kalormine would be today. I think it's very it's a lot more common for our our stories now. While they may still have a, the good guys have a tendency to be this. It's less about a country, um, or things like that more about, more about individuals, individuals or ideals, ideologies. ideologies. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at something as as well known as Harry Potter or whatever. It's not. Yeah. No, the the dark wizards aren't a country or a, or a group or whatever. Sure. That's, they it's, are. They are within us. Well, and I think um, we we are we are we are part. Um, and and it and it infests everywhere. It's not. It's mm-hmm. not regional, it's not localized, it's it's ever-present in everything. And I think that's a product of, um, I, I want to say Western, but I'll go ahead and say American culture spreading throughout the West, uh, and our literature and our, our pop culture, really, um, where in the 20th century, everything was still fairly British-centric, right? Britain-centric. Um, nowadays, uh, things tend to be more on the American side of things, culturally at least, and that's something peculiar to American culture. We don't have thousands of years, or at least you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of history to draw on. We don't have this sort of like blood and soil nationalism uh, as a uh, as a tradition to kind of fall back on. 
but what we have is the ideology and uh, mm-hmm. you know america america is a place uh, but it's more an ideology so it's kind of what you're talking about so it is a little jarring to read something like the horse and his boy where you know very obviously what he's doing is saying this is how this is how english people eat tea or drink tea or you know this is how they have this is how they have tea in the afternoons this is what their breakfasts look like aren't they so civilized and wonderful mm-hmm. you know uh at least that's what it felt like i do think maybe we're shortchanging lewis a little bit um i think he's taking jabs at the calormine but uh but he doesn't come out and say like oh look at their stupid customs he just presents them as different and then presents the uh, narnians as better well and i think i think more civilized it's it's it'd be fair for us also to remember that i'm not sure when he was creating these these stories that he was that he was thinking to himself oh 70 years from now these you know the world is going to be very different and people are going to read these and look uh, and and attach to them or subscribe to them sorry not subscribe ascribe to them all of these these high meanings if they are if they are written as children's stories for children in 1950s uh 1950s britain they are they are nicely done they they convey an idea that what you have is a is a tradition and a legacy that you need to respect and you need to understand that it came from somewhere and other traditions are not ours so value your own um i i, I don't think you can te- you can do that kind of thing today in the same way um, and, and so looking at it as, uh, like Ryan said, a product of its time, I think it's, I think it holds up well as an, as an, uh, as an icon or as an example of what British literature in the 1950s would have been a sure, British mindset. Sure. I, a last note on this, I guess, kind of coming to Lewis's defense here. It's, I think it's really easy to, to just cry racist oh, yeah, and absolutely. say like, and kind of write them off, especially in this book. Um, and I, if somebody did that, I, I might kind of just shrug and say, yeah, whatever, I guess that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but I do think he's a little more, a little more nuanced than that, perhaps, like I was saying earlier. And I also would just say there's, um, uh, there's a tendency nowadays to not be very proud of our own cultures and in certain cultures. And certainly that's the case uh, in certain corners of, uh, of Western culture Mm -hmm. uh, where we are overly critical of ourselves and our, our own culture. And we're kind of afraid to be proud of it. And so that was a little bit refreshing to read in Lewis, uh, just unabashedly being proud of where you come from and, and what your culture is. Uh, So I, you know, I, I enjoyed that. I, do wish it wasn't couched in uh in quite the uh setting that it was you know kind of setting it up as a uh what am i trying to say the duality of basically english culture versus um do would we say middle eastern, middle eastern. culture yeah um, I, I guess and and i and i can see that i guess i didn't i didn't respond to it quite the same way um as i went through and i read it i i i saw it more as a as a as a counterpoint um, he's, he's, while I certainly can see the, the indications of saying, oh, aren't we more civilized? Um, I, f- I found some moments, for instance, when Brie was talking or when, uh, when, uh, a sh- oh boy, I can't even remember her name now. When? No, the, the, the girl. Erevis. Erevis, thank you. Oh yeah. Um, too much reading in the other book, too much reading in the other book. Um, when, er- when Erevis was talking, uh, and, and Brie was saying to Shasta, be patient. There's a way that these stories are told. There's a way that stories are told in these situations that she understands them. And you are uncultured for not understanding. And I, I caught through this a, a weaving of um, let's recognize that there is culture. There are things about other cultures that are worth knowing and worth respecting. And so while I can certainly see the nationalism that, that runs through this, I also saw him saying, you know what? Appreciate appreciate artistic things for their for themselves, and recognize that just because it isn't our culture and history doesn't mean that we should not respect it. We just need to be ready to call uh, to call it out when we see that it is an abusive kind of a culture or an abusive situation. Yeah, that's a good point, and that's a good moment that I'd, I kind of forgotten about. So, and and that's kind of where I think I must have gotten the feeling that maybe he's a little more nuanced than just like. 
Middle East bad. Sure. England sure. good. You know, it's yeah. it's it's better than just that. Yeah. He um and and again it's a you know if if it's looked at as a as a children's story, I guess when when I was reading through it, I got the feeling that this was um if if it could be described as an exercise, this is this is Lewis taking on the thousand and one nights. How do you tell a how do you tell a story of a different culture and somebody lost in a different culture in a different setting? Uh, and and have it be something that is still engaging to the rest of the narrative and and so for me I I I quite enjoyed that aspect of it that he was exploring some different cultural pieces uh, and then bringing them back home to Narnia that was although there was one thing that I found that was very interesting was uh, Lucy shows up to battle Edmund shows up to battle. Um, Susan does not go to battle. No. <laughs> Susan is a real lady. My, my like favorite moment up. of that, my favorite moment of that was when, uh, who was it? I think it was, oh, what's the twin? Corin. 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 Corin says, oh, and then, uh, Queen Lucy goes to battle sometimes and she's as good as a man. Well, yeah. she's as good as a boy, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> Yeah, was, uh, there's there's still quite some misogynistic uh, overtones. <laughs> uh, they well, uh, I feel like I need a cheer for misogyny right now. I don't... <laughs> Yay, boy power! <laughs> this was all before the Powerpuff Girls. There you go. All right, Ken, what do you want to talk about? Um, I I did find some uh, religious not not religious preachy things in here, but I found some religious. Uh, we're going to say allegory, even though it's not symbolism. Alle- symbolism. We'll go with symbolism. I mean, uh, 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 Shasta was the the prince who was stolen away and Moses. Sent, sent down the river and found by the Egyptians. Yeah, and um, he has a twin brother. And he oh, has a, like Ramses. Yeah. So I mean, there was that. I mean, there was a little bit of uh, polytheism, not necessarily polytheism, because the the um. But uh, but different different uh, religious worship because the I, uh, I don't even I can't, I can't remember I know there's Tash Tash he's, is he like the main god he's yeah the god of the I don't uh, want to say Tosh because then I say Tash, Tosh point oh and it, yeah it gets messy in my mind <laughs> he's he's the he's the god of uh, what's what's the name means thank you yeah and uh, so I mean I just couldn't remember men. if there were any others I I thought there were but uh, it looked like as we went on there there weren't so I thought it was polytheism but it really is just more like we okay. don't worship. Jesus, you know, or Aslan. It's Aslan. 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 Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So what were you? What was your point, Ken? My point was just that people are different. Uh, okay, you know. Ryan. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I want to get to. Let's talk about something. Um. So I had a moment at the very, very off onset of the book. Oh, it sounds like a disease now. Um, <laughs> the onset of the book. Uh, his not father, father figure. Um, oh yeah oh yeah the really bad fisherman yeah there was a short discussion in there that i don't know why it caught me so much but he kept giving these pithy little sayings you know oh sure the business um i'd have to pull it up there you know that a man's focus on business will make you wealthy but if the the proverbs he's constantly yeah, he's using, using proverbs, proverbs whatever right. and it made this comment that he didn't care about what it wasn't that he didn't he didn't know and he didn't care about what was north that there could be something else out there and i thought for a little bit to me like i know people like that like it's a very foreign concept to me people who are content with with a 20 mile radius yeah yeah i i know somebody very well actually you don't know this person um but uh, yeah, she lives uh, in the desert and gets very uncomfortable anytime she needs to travel, even to different parts of the same state, mm-hmm. uh, to you know different cities or something. She just wants to be home all the time. Wow. And uh, yeah, this person she she uh, visited me and my wife once when we were in Seattle, and it you know she had to fly somewhere and that was extremely uncomfortable and she stayed with us for a few days uh, at the birth of our first child for instance she came out and it's just very uncomfortable now she's willing to do it but i think that's what you're talking about it's just uh, you know a homebody the ultra homebody kind of thing well both in that sense and in the sense of personal drive like to achieve something or whatever oh yeah well there are people who like might they are contented with the idea of going to work, paying a mortgage, coming home every day. Like, 
that is the life that they want. That is, they're okay well, with that. Oh. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I don't want to. It's just foreign to you. It's a foreign concept to me. I'm sure. not. I'm not settled with that concept. If you were, you wouldn't be here yammering into a microphone week in and week <laughs> out for four right. years. Four years, everybody. Have we been doing this for four this, years? This that? month. Well, he and I have been doing this for four years. And you guys three like so, three so and a couple of months. In a couple be, of months, it'll be four years. Yeah, because it was May yeah. the fourth we started this. That's right. Anyway, I'm sorry because it was Star Wars. Digression. But I I think it's interesting. And I'm very, I would be curious to know people who feel that way, generally speaking, how they handle fantasy and literature like this, because this is all about the journey and going somewhere and, and changing and becoming something different. And do they handle literature like yeah, this? Do, do they yeah, do they even it? bother? That's, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at it here is this book, you, they could read the first four pages and be like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. I'm out. You know, but it's interesting too. I think I think that uh, because I agree with you, I know people who are who are very comfortable with that. Um, but I also find it interesting that that we we get hints that perhaps he knows more than he is willing to let on. But he's using that as a as a smokescreen to say, you know what? There's there's nothing that you can get there that you cannot get here. So mm-hmm. why bother? And the reality is, there's always something to be learned. And to enrich your life with in those kinds of situations, and I, 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 I mean, I, I agree with you. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me at all. It, it feels very, uh, um, I can't even think of the word. There's a word that goes with that, and I can't think of what it. Yeah, I wasn't really listening. I, so. I know you weren't, Craig. I know you weren't. You were <laughs> looking for your next point. He was, he was already ahead. But yeah, it, it doesn't resonate with me, and, and I think that C.S. Lewis was is using this as, as a way of saying, you know what. Perhaps as a British people, we cannot always afford to be ourselves. Think about it too. This to during, be ourselves to what? to be so self centered, to be so um, isolationist. Yeah. Sure. Um, during this period of time, one of the things that's going on in England, um, because again, being being published in the 1950s, one of the things that's going on is there's a, a tremendous immigration that was starting to occur in uh, in England from Pakistan and India. Sure. Um, and so there was a and, and and that immigration today has influenced the development of of modern British society fairly significantly, um, and, and so I think that there there may have been some of that that was being used as uh, a way of saying, hey, you know, that might have been the way that we could be in the past, but we cannot stay that way um, if we are looking for ways that perhaps C.S. Lewis was trying to be moralistic to his to his readers. You, you brought that. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's sort of the opposite of. Um a couple generations earlier, do you remember, I think it was in Bleak House, Charles Dickens was writing oh, about yes. Mrs. Jellyby, and Mrs. Jellyby is a character in Bleak House who cannot see anything closer than the uh, than the African coast, I think uh, is how we put it, something like that. She was always concerned with orphans uh, here or famines there or whatever the, the case was, and she didn't pay enough attention to her own household and the, the people around her. Yes. And, you know, maybe it's uh, things have flipped by now in 1950s England so that Lewis is writing the opposite point. Maybe. And maybe he didn't mean anything by it at all. Who knows? But it's still interesting to think about. The great thing for us is that we get a chance to talk about it and say sure. these, are, these are things that we should look for and that inform the reading that we do now. Yeah. Okay, Ken, go. The, the one, I, I saw that same thing, but I, I looked at it a little bit differently in the sense that it, it wasn't somebody not looking beyond his own house uh, out of choice, but out of necessity in, in the sense that, you know, I, yeah, there's something out there, but I don't have time to worry about that. I got to do this or, or we I don't will survive. Starve, yeah, yes. Sure. I've, I've got this to do and it's all I can handle. If I don't fish, I don't eat. And day after day, that's what I got. And I've, I mean, I've met people even we're living in, you know, the most advanced civilization in, you know, the world. And I still meet people like that. It's like, I'm working this job. And after this job, I'm going to that job. And then I'm going to get out up of tomorrow this, out of and I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Because if I don't, then I don't pay the mortgage and I don't get my you know yeah. food on the table. It could be as simple as that. But I think there's a different, I, I think for me, at least the difference was I'm willing to, I'm, I'm unwilling to use any extra time available to explore and appreciate versus um yes i have to do i have to take care of what's here but it doesn't stop me from being curious and from learning yeah and there's there's a lot of that 
So, geography note. You ready? I feel like I need mm-hmm. a, I need one of those little buttons we that have. announces a new segment. Uh, you know, a little, uh, <laughs> little uh, stinger to the get us into the next segment. geography. Uh, so anyway, geography note. Have you guys ever been to France? No. Yes. Yes? No. Have you ever been to England? Yes. No. no. Okay, Todd, you are very well traveled. You somewhat. You are a metropolitan man. I've cosmopolitan been... man. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to France at Epcot Center. Uh, that counts. Good enough. <laughs> I hate you guys. I hate you so much. <laughs> hey, it only took us twenty minutes to get that today. Yeah. <laughs> twenty five. I've been to the Paris Hotel in Vegas. All right. So the reason I bring this up is because of the description of Tashban. Yeah. The capital city. Uh, round the very edge of the island so that the water lapped against the stone ran high walls strengthened with so many towers that he soon gave up trying to count them inside the walls the island rose in a hill and every bit of that hill up to the Tisrock's palace and the great temple of Tash Um, if you've ever been to France and you should because it's lovely it is this time and any time of year you go to the northern coast, and there's some wonderful disputation about whether it is in <laughs> Brittany or Normandy, but there's something called Le Mont Saint-Michel, uh, which translated means St. Michael's Mount, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But anyway, <laughs> yes, uh, sorry, <laughs> Professor Craig is on the move here. No, I'm sorry. I, what? I was My translation was not as good as that. I was wrong. What, what were you going to say? <laughs> it's like the Mounds of Michel. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different island somewhere <laughs> off the coast of Greece, I believe. Philistine. <laughs> so, uh, so the Mont Saint-Michel is, um, it, it's this abbey out in the middle of this island that's in the ocean. And the, it, so there's a hill coming out of the beach. And they, a thousand years ago, these monks built an abbey on the top. And then they expanded that over mm-hmm. hundreds of years. And eventually this town sprang up. And then eventually these walls were put around it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's about, I don't know, a half mile maybe out to sea. And when the tide comes in, it comes in. It's on this flat plain. And the tide, when it goes out, it's in a sea of sand. Uh, it's actually quicksand, which is totally awesome. Uh, but anyway, but so it's just sand. And then the tide comes in and suddenly it's an island. Uh, it's my absolute 100% favorite place on the face of the earth it is the coolest thing uh that i've ever seen anyway there's a i guess there's a miniature version in england on kind of a a sister island on the south coast of england i haven't been to that one i'm told it's not quite as impressive but uh but there you have it anyway so this uh description of the city of tashban (laughs) made me go oh well that just sounds like a delightful place to go i think i will go there please um Todd, you, go you were nodding your head earlier. Have you ever been to the Mall Saint Michel? I have not, but I've been. I've I've heard of it. Okay. Um, well. When I but I, when I was in England, I uh, the description of the of the town, uh, or the description of of Tashban is very much like every other British uh, town that was that was populated. You have at the at the center of your town generally the highest a point, a church of some kind, a temple of some, you know a a, a a dwelling place that is that is intended to be both seat of government and seat of religion mm-hmm. and that everything grows out around it and i and i found myself saying oh yeah this, this sounds exactly like the kind of thing that again uh british children of the 1950s would have been very comfortable well, with yeah because i don't, I don't think don't, it's exclusive to them that's I, most of the civilized world for the last few thousand years well but we it, everywhere except the united states because in the united states we we didn't we didn't do that again necessarily. It's, a, it's a little different yeah we are we are a different we're a different place. Unless you go to right. New England, then we're the same place. Uh, it's more similar in New England, but even there, the sprawl that has in, impacted yeah. us. And anyway, I derailed you. Go on with your point. Never mind. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're done. We're okay. Done. All we're right. Done. Well, what else I just we found got? it interesting. <laughs> so did I. I actually had some, some um, story questions. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are we done with the Jesus stuff? No, I'm sure we'll come back to it. Oh, okay. I, I've yeah. got another one. Oh, okay. So, okay. I'll, actually, I'll, I'll I hold on to my Jesus stuff then. All of mine are kind of minor, but i I actually had, <laughs> I actually had uh, the story questions like, uh, you know, we have the Kalorman and we have Arkenland and all that. I'm like, did did Aslan create all of these places, or did he just create Narnia in this hole in the map? 
you know, around uh, all in, of these. In the magician's nephew. Yeah. I would have to say that he created. I would the think whole he thing. created the whole thing, yeah. right? Yeah. He, so, he I he created the whole thing, and he and he mentions that Narnia is a special place. It is a different place, and that is the place that is imbued with magic, and that there were other places on the around the side. Uh, of Narnia and he, remember he says that Narnia is a land that is bordered on the east and bordered on the west and bordered in the north and the south yeah so Narnia itself is not the name necessarily for the planet but is but a name the, for this this chosen space right um that is that is to be inhabited with magical creatures this, this and, garden of Eden if and I was gonna were, say the garden of Eden Narnia That's yeah better yeah well that was actually a different place than that I think if we Oh well, let's not go back. Uh, let's not relitigate the magician's nephew. <laughs> let's go on. But but yeah, it's it's the 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 fact, and and we'll we'll see this again when we get to Prince Caspian and the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. That we've got uh, other groups of people that wind up coming to this place through right. other portals, um, but they don't necessarily make it to Narnia. They make it to the lands around the outside. Well, we find that out in Prince Caspian too, don't we? Yep. So, yep. and I'm I'm interested to know more about Tash. I'm like, who's this? you know, God that just shows up and isn't, you know, Jodas the witch and stuff. So anyway, I don't know if those are questions that come up or those, get answered later or um, if that's this kind of series. I, I don't feel like, I don't, I don't feel like an aversion to spoilers the way that I would if I we really were don't reading either. a Sanderson book. So I will say Tash, we're not done with Tash nope, uh, or the, the Calormine. Um, so yeah, we're good there. Cool. Did you have, good. was that your only question and all that? Pretty much. Well, yeah, those are pretty much my only questions on that. But okay. uh, So I have a question for Craig. Oh, boy. How would, you, how, how would you respond to someone who decided that they wanted to... Ooh, can, uh, I, can I finish this question and then answer it? That just seems like it'd be fun. Perhaps. No, you go on. Go on. Go on. <laughs> if, 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 I've, if I've set this one up right and you launch into me, I know exactly that, you've, that you <laughs> are ready for this. How would you respond to someone who wants to, uh, to draw a comparison between the hermitage and the time spent at Tom Bombadil's oh. in the Fellowship of the Ring? Uh, I would go, oh, yeah, I guess so. Okay. That's all we're going to get? Uh, I guess <laughs> as I was... And this is the problem with allegory, again, and re- kind of repeating something I mentioned uh, last week with Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Part of the problem with allegory is that as I was reading the hermit portion... I kept saying to myself, so who's the hermit? What does the hermit represent? Who's oh, yeah. the hermit? And then the answer is probably, <laughs> that's that's probably the answer. Is, some, some dude. He's just some guy. I, I was thinking maybe like Moses, or not, sorry, not Moses, maybe Noah, because he's, you know, friends with the animals and that sort of thing. Uh, seems to have been around for a little while. I, I, don't, I don't know. Okay. But then he's kind of stuck in this hermitage, as you call it. Um, it's so, a prequel Noah. What was the prequel, prequel Noah, <laughs> pre-ark. There you go. So yeah, I, I, as far as uh, as far as the religious significance significance of the hermit, I don't know. Somebody smarter than I will probably hop on Reddit and let me know, and I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, but as I was reading, I spared just a few moments to go wait. So who does this guy represent? And the answer was, I don't know. I can't come up with anything. Your allegory has failed, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Lewis. Um, but, uh, okay, now, as for the parallel with Tom Bombadil, I don't see a great one, partly because uh, with the hermit, you don't spend the entire time wanting to punch him in the mouth. And I love the Bombadil chapters. Don't get me wrong. Those are I love the Bombadil chapters. But if I were stuck in a house with Tom Bombadil, I would, uh, I would be a danger to either myself or others. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, but this guy, I don't know. He, he seemed a little more uh, chill, perhaps. More kindly gentleman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not just, prone to poetry on bouts. I, I, was, I, was, I was... Bright blue his jacket is, and his boots are yellow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just... Because we were because we were drawing comparisons between, between Tolkien's work and Lewis's yeah, work at the yeah. very beginning, I wondered if you'd how you'd feel about that or if you'd seen if you'd seen or read anything about that or thought about it no i hadn't uh sorry so my yeah. answer my answer that that was five minutes of me going eh. so 
I wonder I wonder if we're now going to get something later on where he's going to go, I've thought about this again, and this is what I think now. <laughs> that makes me does make me have another question to throw out here for you guys. Um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I can't really do it as well with Magician's Nephew offhand, but there are a ton of borrowed story pieces in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, pieces from Fables, the rats gnawing on the, the ropes. Um, mice. Is, Ryan. Mice. Mice. Not sorry. rats. The mice. Rats are rats. dirty, filthy servants rats of the Dark have, One. Rats would have served Jadis. Hmm? There are a lot of different pieces inside the story that are borrowed from other fairy tales and other pieces there. Do you notice that as much in this one, or do you feel this is a little more original work? Because that's the one, like, it's not even a complaint about Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's, it's just very familiar. It's like there's six or seven different fairy tales and, and fables all put in a blender and then put out with an Aslan covering, and you have Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, that's this, a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I guess now that you, oh, excuse me, now that you pointed out, maybe there aren't so many of those uh, extra uh, bits thrown in. Mm-hmm. This, I, I was going to say right up top, uh, this is a much, much more straightforward story yeah. than the yeah. other two that we've read as far as here are your main characters. Here is the objective. Let's go. And that's it. That's yeah. the entire story. Uh, there's, you know, with uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's all this back and forth between Earth and Narnia and, you know, Ditto, mm-hmm. the Magician's Nephew, all that. Um, this yeah. one is much, much more. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, Todd's microphone got all excited and took <laughs> off. Uh, it it lifted off, shall we say. Uh, so anyway, um, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this since you bring it up? I honestly could not think of anything off the top of my head, but... I'm also not as familiar with different lore and liter- um, and fairy tales as I would like to be. Sure. Um, to be able to make those comparisons. Because I feel like there's probably something here and somebody knows it. And like, no, 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 it's, you know, he's pulling these these spo- these horses that speak are, from, are a piece from X myth, you know, whatever. And I would, I'm just curious if, if by the time he was writing this book, Narnia had become its own piece that he could more openly just write his own material well well, there's so there's um a couple of things from professor wikipedia that can help us out here (laughs) just a couple of things that are noted um the association of core uh with horses and his twin brother corin with boxes boxing recalls the traditional associations of the spartan twins castor and pollux um and then there is, uh, let's see, the plot element of a sinful human being transformed into a donkey as a punishment and then restored to humanity as, a, as an act of divine mercy is similar to that of The Golden Ass by Apuleius, a classic of Latin literature. I thought and he lifted that from Pinocchio. Is, does he get turned into an ass? No, yeah. but the other kids do. And he threatens to. I, you know, I've but... never seen it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's when they go to the island of yeah, it, you know, misfit boys and misfit. <laughs> yes, you're mixing, and, uh, you're mixing your Christmas and your Disney. Yes, <laughs> but, and did you say the island that's a of dangerous misfit? mixture? Okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I just want to go back to the uh, uh, the rather unfortunate slip that Ken just had. The island of misfit boys. No, that wasn't an that wasn't an unfortunate slip. That was intentional. Oh, good lord, you're making that's, it worse, man. <laughs> making it that's, worse. That's what it was. They go there and they, you know, they. Smoke and they drink and they get they they turn you into know an ass because they. Do you know what the name of the island actually is? Oh no, Pleasure Island. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's Pleasure okay, Island. I'm they the... take boys. They become an ass. What are you talking about? It's Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Oh, Pinocchio. Really? Yeah. Yes. They you you no wonder I've never seen it's this. Pinocchio's my, my parents were like journey. my Jimmy, parents, Jimmy my parents Cr- were like what do you want to watch? No no not that one. You, that we're good. Jiminy <laughs> Cricket the conscience telling him don't smoke don't drink don't go to the rough house don't eat all the candy you know hey, or are, you turn into an ass. Look we That's, are on a serious digression here. I am gonna do the responsible thing the responsible thing wait and pull us back. Really? Okay. Oh my goodness. I don't want to talk about Pinocchio. I don't care about Pinocchio. Ken. Yeah. I want to talk about C.S. Lewis and um, okay. uh, Muslim bashing, maybe a little more. <laughs> Let's do the responsible thing. He sampled from Babylonian culture. I mean, there was that. So with, with the Tishrock, may he live forever. Either that or the Shan Chan, one or the other. <laughs> uh, okay, so I do have a couple of more um, points. Uh, one main one, kind of a religious one, um, not 
but I'll get there in just a moment. Todd, you said you had one you wanted to bring up. You wanted to bring us back to the Jesus stuff. Yeah, I want to do uh, just go back to the Jesus stuff for just a second. And I, I liked the way that um, C.S. Lewis presents the idea that. Oh, you're gonna steal mine, aren't you? You're gonna steal it, you son of a Tisrock. No, I'm not a son of Tisrock, but I okay, can go <laughs> see this is gonna get ugly. Um, so there were two. Should I go with my second one? Not my I don't first know. One? Just go. Just do it. Just what were you going to say? That Aslan is always there. That Aslan is is causing things to move to the way that he wants them to occur. He always seems to be behind all the stories, right? <clears throat> yeah. There's there's not a there's not a moment in this. Um... <laughs> How you doing there, Ryan? Sorry, I just had the worst thought ever. Uh, do, <laughs> are you sure you want to share this? Because I'm not. I just realized that Aslan is the Stan Lee of C.S. <laughs> <laughs> he created it all. He makes a cameo in each book. You groan a little bit and you move on. <laughs> and you just and you just hope he doesn't claw you too much. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, it's just it, it it just is a nice uh, again going back to the if if we are going to approach it from a from a somewhat um, pseudo spiritual allegorical standpoint that even when there are bad things happening to you or frightening things happening to you um, sometimes it is God positioning you to move things forward that must be done and that's the yeah that's the hope of all faithful people right mm-hmm. is that there is there are different takes on it you know whether the uh, whether God has an active hand in what's going on in your life or if he has simply set things up for your benefit or whatever. But yeah, that's the hope for people who, uh, who feel religious fervor, right? Yep. Um, okay. What was your second one? The second one was the idea that Aslan will only tell you stories that pertain to you. Ooh, nice. My, I have that pulled up in connection to oh, yeah. that because I loved that quote, but what happened just before it threw me a little bit and i there's a it's worth discussing because what does he say before he tells her that he says uh, i said i got oh i think i've got it and i want to talk about it for my own purposes too um brie says i'm afraid that i must be i must be rather a fool and uh, he says happy the horse who knows that while he is still young or the human either um you uh he says that you will not be torn this time this time sir it was I who wounded you, said Aslan. I am the only lion you met in all your journeyings. Do you know why I tore you? No, sir. The scratches on your back, tear for tear, throb for throb, blood for blood, were equal to the stripes laid on the back of your stepmother's slave because of the drugged sleep you cast upon her. You needed to know what it felt like. Yes, sir. Please ask on, my dear, said Aslan. Will any more harm come to her by, my, by what I did? Child, said the lion, I am telling you your story, not hers. No one has told any story but their own. And so my my thing, and there was a moment before, was there's a very large deal made in Christian culture about the redemptive power of the Christ figure. Yes. That he has taken upon sins, that he has provided a way um, for the for the sinner to return. And there, here we have the Christ figure of Aslan saying, you needed to feel the pain of what you caused. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that this is the, from a from a religious standpoint, I was looking at, uh, at that particular part of the story less as a uh, as an indication of, of true Christianity and, and its interpretation, as much as I was a child story trying to help children understand there are always consequences to your actions and you must... And, and part of growing up means learning compassion and learning to understand that there are unintended consequences and that sometimes those unintended consequences are pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she I was did, at she it. did know about it though. She suspected she that did. this would happen to the slave girl. She did. She suspected that something would happen, but how bad it was going to be, she didn't right. know. But yeah, but she didn't, and didn't she didn't care really how bad care. it was. Yeah. And didn't really care. And right. so this brings the care element is like, Oh, this is what happens you know, this is how it felt to them. And before you really experience the pain for yourself, you don't understand and maybe you don't care. And maybe you know? that's something that, that modern, you know, I know in, in modern Christianity, there's a lot more emphasis on, uh, on compassion, uh, on the idea of a compassionate Christ rather than just a judging Christ. 
Um, and so maybe this is a way that C.S. Lewis is ahead of his time, trying to help us understand that we need to that, that it needs to be something that we develop as part of our Christian, uh, as as part of a Christian's practice, if you will. And I don't know. With uh, with what you're bringing up, Ryan, I I feel like we could get into a discussion about which we are extremely ill-equipped about you know the nature of of uh, grace and justice and uh, all that stuff. And which I don't have enough of a handle on outside of my uh, my own experience, yeah. right? To to really have a good discussion on it. So I I don't really want to do no, that I don't think myself. It, yeah. I don't think but this is a place to do that. But I, I think it's I interesting think, that it could be there. But I I think it could be. So Ryan, you are uh, with what you're saying. You're kind of presenting it as that here is the the Christian way of looking at um uh, at Christ's. Uh, what do we want to call it? His atonement, his resurrection, his payment for sin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say there's more to it than that. There are, you know, a, a billion or more Christians, a couple billion Christians in the world, and they all have different ways of looking at it. There are many different sects, many different denominations, and they all have a different idea of what these things mean. So this could be the conclusion that Lewis himself came to as he thought about the things that he was studying as... Uh, you know, as a, a newly reformed Christian at this sure. point. And so when he says you needed to know what it felt like, I kind of read that as Lewis's idea of justice, uh, because it, in his case, it's tailored to each person. Aslan could have just said, I cut you once for each time the slave got whipped. Eye for an eye, you deserved it. And we kind of have that conception of justice a lot of times. Justice is fairness. That's, you know, what's fair is fair. That's it. That's justice. But I don't think that's what Lewis would have said. Um, justice is more, uh, it, it's more nuanced than that. And in this case, it wasn't about her, and, and you guys have kind of said this a little bit already, it wasn't about her paying for what happened to the slave girl it's about her understanding what happened to the slave girl and feeling what happened to the slave girl yeah. right yeah i th- i would say so i think so too so, anyway but i think it i i think it is a really interesting um contradiction uh I, I i see where you're coming from ryan it's a very interesting contradiction in presentation of what this figure is all about and that narnia is and and this is maybe goes back to the point that it's not a one-for-one allegory. Narnia is different. Aslan is different. He may fill certain aspects of that imagery, uh, but it's not necessarily going to be point-for-point exactly the same. It's going to allow us to explore some other issues. Good. All right. Are we good? I feel like I feel like we've talked about the horse and his boy. Uh, does anybody have a final thought that they would like to uh, quickly bring up? Nope. No. Yeah. Really? Did we really talk about everything? So the one thing that the one thing that I find interesting um, for me, and this is my second time, uh, second time engaging this book and engaging this book. Can't you just say reading this book, Todd? Oh, it's more than. Do reading. you have to be so fancy? It's more than Why, reading. Are you better than me, Todd? Are you better? You, than, I think do you want me to answer. That? All I do is read books. Do you engage <laughs> them? Yes, Craig. I do. <laughs> I do. Sorry. Go on. I have much more significant relationships with my books than you do. Um, I, the the uh, as as with the first time that I that I read this, I found the storytelling in it to be interesting for the first forty pages, and then I was like, "Come on, we've got to get a better way to tell on the story than this." Um, the it, it it was one of the it, it's it's one of the books it's the book in this series that I struggle with the most. Really? As far as feeling like it engages me and we're ready to run and we just move really quickly through yeah. it. It's my, it's the one that I have the hardest time with. I was much more into this book than I was The Magician's Nephew. Oh, really? Yeah. Not, and I, I don't mean to say that I didn't like The Magician's Nephew. I did. I liked it. Um, I just, uh, I felt much more engaged by this one. That's interesting. Yeah. There's no accounting for taste. So... Yeah. All right. Well, any anybody else want to bring up a final thought? Ryan, you're shaking your head. Ken, got anything you want to bring up? I think we're good then. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna call it ten minutes earlier than normal. Wow. Wow. This, you guys, do you realize what just happened? 
we actually got through everything we wanted to say with time to spare. It's uh, what should we what should we talk about? I'm I'm uncomfortable with this thought. <laughs> too bad. I'm, does, too bad. I'm in. Do, does that does that mean we we banter for ten minutes or do we give the listeners ten minutes of their life back? Well, we the, haven't taken it yet. So in the, in the in the case of Sweden, we're saving them from ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. So thanks for listening, everybody, to our narnia episodes i hope that uh, if you're enjoying these i hope that you're sharing them with others who enjoy narnia as well um hopefully they get a kick out of how ignorant and awful we are <laughs> that it, it's greatly appreciated whatever you can do to share us around we we much appreciate it so thanks for listening everybody go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show and we'll see you uh, at thelegendarium.reddit.com. We'll see you on Facebook. We'll see you on on uh, Twitter. The Twitter, yes, the Twitter. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. You can message us on Twitter. I guess that's fine. Coming someday to Instagram. Uh, you know, I thought Are about we really? that. No, I don't know. I thought about that, but like, I don't want to. What would we? What would we do anyway? We know. really need to get into one of those like programs that you just click and it sends it out to all of them at once well sure yeah, yeah they like hootsuite or something but like with instagram we yeah. can take pictures of, of book covers pictures of the pages of the books we're reading uh, pictures of what we're eating while we're reading the books you know what we, sh we should really look so into? we're not getting on instagram everybody <laughs> is what i'm hearing uh what can we should do the rest of our house cleaning after i think but anyway i i got an idea we'll talk about it on the Oh, okay. okay. So Ken and I are going to have a private conversation, and you all needed to know that. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Uh, next week is the second of three Oathbringer episodes. It will be sections three and four, or parts three and four of Oathbringer. And then the week after that, yes, we will get to Prince Caspian, like I said the last week, mistakenly. But now we're going to do it. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.